to talk to you about the comforts of God. And I want to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 to 4, one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Uh, and let's just look at this now. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of what, everybody? Mercies and God of what? All comfort. What does God do? Verse 4, who comforts us in all of our tribulation, that we may be able, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the same comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So comfort is contagious. God's comforts move beyond us when God comforts you and me, we comfort others. Amen. And the dominoes fall. So let's pray together. And I'm going to talk to you about the comforts of God. Lord, thank you for the comforts of God. Uh, Lord, how would we make it without the comforts of God? And I pray that, Lord, you would uh, just speak to our hearts and make the comforts of God more real to us today than they have ever been. Lord, thank you for your comfort. Can we just lift our hands and say, Jesus, thank you that in all my trials, you comfort me. And I receive your word today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and just give a shout out. God's a God of comfort. You can be seated. Amen. Amen. I'm so looking forward to the day that we can do away with every other row and the reserve seats and just meet like normal. But I'm glad we're meeting at all. Amen. There's a lot of churches not meeting at all. So we're meeting. Now, I was recently talking with a lady who I'd counseled re regarding her marriage. And she was so done with her marriage that she had seen a divorce attorney twice. She'd gone to the divorce attorney twice, but the Lord had not let her sign the papers. Twice. Since then, she and her husband have experienced a great breakthrough. And they are, quote, this, she texted this to me uh, this weekend, better than ever, and we're actually doing good. Like it's a miracle, because it is a miracle, right? I said to her, God's going to use your story to minister to others. And she said, really, do you think so? And then I sent her the verses that I just read to you, because yes, I do believe so. You see, when we go through a trial or a test, it's, God comforts us, not just for us, but he's got others in mind that we're going to touch because God comforted us. Listen, your trial gives you a ministry. Your tribulation is going to give you a ministry. And that's the message of these passages. So I texted the, these verses to her. And as I was praying about what to share with you, it was like the Lord just put the same verses on my heart for you. And for those of you listening by radio and around the country, uh, I want you to know that God is a God of comfort. And when he comforts you and me, he's always got someone else in mind. As a matter of fact, on the other side of your trials, somebody is waiting for the comfort with which God comforted you. Amen. So let me unpack these verses and just share three key things about these verses that I just read. First of all, we note that he says, God is the father of mercies, and he's the God of all comfort. God, who sent Jesus, that God, is the father, the source, the wellspring of mercies. Notice, not singular mercy, 
but mercies. How many of you can say if it was one mercy, mine was used up a long time ago, right? But it's mercies, plural. Our God is the father of all mercies and the God of all comfort. Amen. Now this text tells us something about who God is. And it's very important what you and I believe about God. What you believe about God is going to decide your future. Tell me what you believe about God and I'll make some pretty close predictions about the next five years of your life. Tell me what you believe about God. It's very important what we believe about God. Now, Hebrews says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must, everybody say must, believe. Now, what he's about to tell us is two things we must believe about God. Must believe that he is, that he exists, that he's there. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. How are you ever going to pray if you don't believe that God is there? So all faith begins with that one proposition, that one truth, God is. Everybody say God is. He that comes to God in prayer with a request must believe that God is. That's where faith begins. And that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Now notice, even in that one verse, there's two he is's. There's two. It's telling us something about God. He is, and he's a rewarder. If I didn't believe he was a rewarder, why would I seek him? If I didn't believe God was a rewarder, why would I bother seeking him? But I know that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Now that gives me incentive to seek God. Because if I seek God, then he is a rewarder. I'm going to get something back. I'm going to get something out of it. God puts his seal of approval on seeking him. So this passage is telling us that we will never have strong faith unless we believe the right things about God. All right? You must believe that he is and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Put another way, faith swings on the hinge of what you believe about God, who you believe he is in his character and his nature. Not just that he's there, but what kind of God is he? What's his character like? What does he feel? How does he see you and me? Uh, Is he good? Is he bad? Is he neutral? Is he powerful? Is he not? Does he answer prayer? Does he not? See, faith swings on the hinge of what I believe about God, his character and his nature. Put another way, your faith will never grow beyond what you believe about God. Your faith will never exceed what you believe about God. That's why the Bible from cover to cover tells us all kinds of things about God and things that we would never know because the Bible is a book of revelation. The Holy Spirit moved on holy men of old and they penned the things that are in the word of God. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And a lot of what is in the Bible is God unfolding and revealing to us who he is, 
what his character is like, what we can depend on, what we can count on, and how to view him. And what I believe about God is going to decide the level and the strength of my faith. Amen. If you believe he's good, merciful, compassionate, faithful, true to his word, that he answers prayer, that he hears when you cry out to him, if you believe that he watches over you, that he watches over his word to perform it, that your faith is going to thrive and blossom. But if you believe that God is distant and uncaring and mad at you half the time, which a lot of people believe, if you believe that God is stern and harsh and doesn't hear your prayers and is unmerciful and unloving and uncompassionate, your faith is going to wilt like an unwatered flower in the Texas sun. What you believe about God, that's why you need to be in the right church listening to the right messages. Because whoever stands in the pulpit is going to tell you things to believe about God. Is going to tell you what you can expect from God. And if you're taught to believe things and to expect things that are not in the Bible, then your faith is going to be continually disappointed. It's so important, folks, that what we believe about God comes straight from the word of God and no other source. Amen. Now, Paul, the apostle in our text, he, he tells us two wonderful things about God, two he is. He said he is the father of mercy and he is the God of all comfort. That's our God. That's our God. That's talking about his character. That's who he is. He is the father of all mercies. If you experience mercy, it came from him. If you experience mercies, it came from the wellspring, the source of it came from God. He's the father of the wellspring of all mercy. And he's also the God of all, not just comfort, the God of comfort, but he said, he's the God of all comfort. So, so our God, this is what we can believe about God. Mercy comes from him and comfort comes from him. Amen. Mercy flows out from the very throne room of the God of the Bible. Thank God for mercy. Can we say it together? Thank God for mercy. How many of you needed mercy this week? How many of you needed it on the way to church? How many of you need it right now? <laughs> Amen. Aren't you thankful for the mercies, plural, of God? Man, I need mercy every day. You know, it's been said that grace is receiving what we don't deserve. And mercy is not receiving what we do deserve. Do you ever think about that? When you and I got saved, it was by grace through faith. And that not of yourselves. We didn't deserve it. It came from God. We got saved because God decided to save us. And it was, it was grace. We, we didn't deserve it. We didn't deserve salvation. But guess what? In the same token, mercy, when we received the mercy of God, then he literally withheld the judgments that were due us and gave us the grace that we didn't deserve. Amen? Because that's who he is. Psalms 103 verse 10 says, he does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Thank God. Lamentations 3.22 says, through the Lord's mercies, plural, we are not consumed. 
because his compassions fail not. How often are they there? They, his mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Amen. So that every morning when I wake up, there's a fresh batch of mercy for me because God knows Jeff Wickwire. I need mercy every day. And those mercies are laid up for me every morning. And thank God there's fresh mercies every day because yesterday's mercies are used up and tomorrow is not here yet. So God gives mercies, plural, today. He, he doesn't give us what we deserve, but he gives us mercy and he gives us grace. Amen. Our God is merciful and our God is a comfort. Paul says he's not just merciful, plural. He doesn't just have mercies every day, but he's a comforter. He's the God, the God of all comfort. What a beautiful thing to say about God the Father. What a beautiful thing to know about God the Father. That our Father, our Heavenly Father, is the God who comforts us. Comforts us. You know, we live in a painful, stressed out world, don't we? Oh man, our world is uptight, out of sight, crazy, baby. Right? Our, our world is coming unhinged. Our world has gone nuts. We live in a painful, stressed out world where people seek comfort, comfort for their sorrows in a lot of different ways. We turn to drugs. We turn to alcohol, we turn to nicotine, we turn to sex and even food to feel better or to forget our pain for just a little while. Our world is in a hunt, in a search for comfort. We want to be comforted because it's so crazy. But you know what? When you turn to the wrong thing for comfort, the pain returns every time. Often worse than before because our temporary cures the, the bad ones, the wrong ones, turn, looking for love in all the wrong places, the song said. It brings on other problems. When we f- look for comfort in the wrong places, it brings more problems like disease or jail or financial problems or marriage problems or guilt or regret. Looking for comfort in all the wrong places. For instance, some people seek comfort in Southern comfort. I mean, interesting, they called it comfort, Southern comfort. Or you know what? We, we give Jim Beam or Jack Daniels a call only to find out they're not good friends at all, but they leave you sick and hung over and full of regret. There's nothing at the bottom of that bottle but pain. And you know, when you go to the wrong place for comfort, it, it may take away your distress, your discomfort for a little while, but you always come down. It always fades away. And you're left with the same problem staring you in the mirror. It doesn't work. Other people look out uh, and search out for Mary Jane. Now, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, that's marijuana from the 60s talk. We look for Mary Jane for comfort. But we find out real quick that Mary Jane leaves us with a cloudy brain. Thank you, Mary Jane, for a cloudy brain and lungs that are rotting out. But the comforts of God bring only positive results. I'm going to say that again. The comforts of God bring only positive results. Can I say it one more time? The comforts of God bring only positive results. The word comfort in our Bible, uh, in our Bible verse means a calling near. That's what it means. Parakletos. 
a calling near, one who draws close in times of trouble, the Greek word parakletos, same word used for the Holy Spirit, the word comfort, parakletos, para means to call alongside. And, and, and here's what it means that, that God, when we are distressed, when we are discomforted, God comes alongside. That's the comforts of God. It means God comes along. He comes near. A calling near is what the word means. The very same word used for the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I will seek the Father or I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, stand by you. To be with you forever. Oh man, aren't you glad the Holy Spirit's gonna be with us forever, forever, forever. This is the God that King David knew so well. He said, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help. The Hebrew says, an abundantly available help in times of trouble. When, 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 when we are in distress, when we are discomforted, when we're in pain, when we're suffering, when we're in a trial, tribulation, and we call out on God, he's the God of all comfort. That means he comes immediately and stands right next to us. And he comforts us. Our God is a comforter in troubled times. He's an abundantly available help. Not just available, but abundantly available. Amen? He's abundantly available to help us. Now, I got to tell you that comfortable and comforted are not the same things. Your flesh can be comfortable while your soul is yet restless. Amen? Comfortable and comfort are not the same thing. On the flip side, you can enjoy the wonderful comforts of God without being in a comfortable context at all. You can have all kinds of trouble going on out here. But when you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you know God and you go to him in prayer, he is able to comfort you in the middle of your storm. He's able to give you comfort, though you are not comfortable. All right, are you with me? He's able to give you comfort while you are not in a comfortable context. In America, we love to be comfortable. We love things that comfort our flesh. You could call them carnal comforts. We love it. But we know very little about the comforts of God in America. I would to God, I could have five minutes to talk to America. I would tell them the gospel. Well, I kind of am starting to talk to America, but I wish I had ABC, CBS, NBC, five minutes on their microphone. Of course, they would have a meltdown but I would love to have five minutes on the microphone and tell them about the love of God through the Lord Jesus Christ and that seeking to be comfortable will not last. Comfortable, whatever is making you comfortable will not last. I'm gonna tell you the truth now. When, when you are looking for comfortable, let me give you some examples. We live for the day that we will be comfortable in retirement. We look at that 401k and we say, oh, I'm going to get it to a certain level. And we're like the rich man in Jesus' parable who has all, all of his uh, granaries full of grain. And he says, man, I'll just build more granaries because these are full. I'll build more so that I have all the more grain to retire on. And Jesus in the parable said that God called him a fool. Because he said, tonight your soul is going to be required of you. And everything you have stored up in order to be comfortable is gone now. And you're going to meet your maker. You should have been rich toward God, Jesus says in the parable. Or we can't wait to get that super comfortable recliner. 
that vibrates and moves and massages us. Or, or to pull that comfortable comforter over ourselves on a cold night. We love those comfortable comforters. When we go to the doctor office, we're told, have a seat, make yourself comfortable. We seek out comfortable all the time. We live for comfortable. The comforts of God, folks, are far superior to the carnal comforts of the flesh. No, we don't. Comfortable is fine. That's great. I mean, I've got a chair at home. I like to get in. It's comfortable. But listen, I wouldn't be very comfortable in it if I didn't have the comforts of God on the inside. See, you can, you, you can have satin sheets, but you can't sleep in them at night because you're not, you don't have the comforts of God. The comforts of God are far superior to the carnal comforts of the flesh. The comforts of God calm and reassure us deep down. They bring peace in the middle of a raging storm. They encourage us, the comforts of God, that that all is not lost because God is on our side. The comforts of God come and comfort us when it looks like there's nothing to be comfortable about. The comforts of God come and they comfort us. And we have peace that passes understanding. We have peace in the middle of the storm. We have something the world can't, can't find, doesn't have, doesn't have access to. But here's the deal. You will never know the comforts of God until you make peace with God. Now, let me talk straight with you. You will never know the comforts of God until you make peace with God. And the only time, and when you make peace with God, by coming to him through his son, Jesus Christ, and his shed blood on the cross, you will never know the comforts of God until you make peace with God. And you make peace with God by going to the foot of the cross and saying, Jesus, forgive me. I mean, literally repenting for your sin and asking God to forgive you. And when you ask God to forgive you, then he, he makes peace with you. You make peace with him because Jesus is our mediator. He's the one that stands in between and he takes your hand and God's hand and joins them together. And we are reconciled to God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, not by hugging a tree, not by any philosophy of our choice, not by doing it our own way, but he alone is the way and the truth and the life. And no man comes to the father, but through him. And when you come to him and you make peace with God, you experience the peace of God. And when you get the peace of God, because you've been made right with God, then a whole potpourri of blessings are opened up to you that you never knew before and the world can never have because Jesus is the door. And when you walk through the door, you walk into a whole field of blessings you never knew. And one of them is the comforts of God. The comforts of God. Amen. The comforts of God. Give me the comforts of God any day over being comfortable. Amen? Give me the comforts of God any day. Now, Paul notes that God comforts us, but not just with us in mind. Now, I don't know what you've been going through. I know most of us have really experienced a trial with this COVID thing. We've been going through some lost jobs. uh, Some got COVID. Some new people that got COVID. Uh, We've been going through a trial nationally. Many crises happening all at once. And so for those who know Jesus, they've experienced the comforts of God. How many of you can say, even though I've been going through it, Pastor Jeff, I've had the comforts of God. Come on. 
I've had the comforts of God. Amen. How many times God has comforted me? Man, when I knew we couldn't meet anymore and our building was empty, I went and I prayed. I said, Lord, what is going on? And God gave me the comforts of God so that I had peace that didn't make any rational sense, but I had peace that it was all in his hands and all going to work together for the good. God comforts us, but not just with us in mind. You know, comfort isn't needed unless there's some affliction you need to be comforted about. What good are the comforts of God if you don't need to be comforted? God's comfort isn't needed when all is well. It's needed when our trials and troubles are causing discomfort. And that's when we need the comforts of God. The people Paul is addressing in our text here are experiencing trouble. They are believers that are experiencing trouble. They are hurting, they're distressed, they're persecuted, they're perplexed, they're discouraged. Some of them are teetering on disillusionment. And so Paul is writing to them. And he's saying, I want you to understand something about the comforts of God. God is going to comfort you. His comforts can't be stopped by trouble. As a matter of fact, his comforts prevail in the midst of trouble. His comforts shine in the darkness of trouble. Paul said, but know this, that what you're going through as you are comforted by God, that he's not just comforting you for you, but God is comforting you because when you come out on the other side, there's going to be people going through similar things to you and they're going to need the comfort wherewith I have comforted you. I'm comforting you because I want you to give it away later. I'm comforting you because I want you to export it later. I'm comforting you so that you've got a word for those who are in trouble who need to hear what you have been through and who need to know that you came out on the other side, who need to know that your God was real and your God was mighty and your God was merciful and your God was a comfort. Comforter. God comforts us in all of our tribulations so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. I read this week of a 15-year-old young man named Douglas from the state of Missouri, who had been feeling bad for several days. His temperature was ranging between 103 and 105 degrees every day. And he was suffering severe flu-like symptoms. Finally, his mother took him to the hospital in St. Louis, and Douglas was diagnosed with leukemia. The doctors were very honest with Douglas. For the next three years, they told him, he would have to undergo chemotherapy, And they didn't sugarcoat the side effects of the chemotherapy. They said, Douglas, you're going to go bald and your body is most likely going to bloat. Upon learning this, Douglas went into a deep depression. Now his aunt was with him and his aunt went to the floral uh, flower shop uh, to send him an arrangement of flowers. She told the clerk that it was for her teenage nephew who had been diagnosed with leukemia. When the flowers arrived at the hospital, there were two cards. There was one from his aunt and there was one from the florist. When he read the first card from his aunt, he said, thank you for the flowers. But when he read the second card, the second card said this, Douglas, I took your order. I work at Bricks Florist. I had leukemia when I was seven years old. I'm 22 years old now. 
My heart goes out to you. Love and prayers. Sincerely, Laura. Douglas's face lit up like a Christmas bulb. What caused this reaction? Douglas was in a hospital filled with millions of dollars of sophisticated medical equipment. He was being treated by expert doctors and nurses with medical training totaling hundreds of years. But it was a sales clerk in a flower shop making $170 a week who took the time and trouble to send a note and a prayer that gave Douglas hope and the will to carry on. What was the key? She had been there. She had battled leukemia and won. And that was the key that unlocked the door to hope in his life. Now listen, God comforts you in your trouble so that one day you can look somebody in the eye and say, I went through what you're going through. I went through a terrible divorce. I went through losing my children to sin. I went through losing a job. I went through arthritis or heart disease or whatever it is. I went through those things and God, the God of all comforts comforted me and gave me abundant plural mercies. And he brought me out on the other side of my trial. And I'm here to look you in the eye and say, take his hand because the God that took me through can take you through. And the God that gave me victory can give you victory. And that's why God is comforting you so that you you can have a ministry comforting others. Give the Lord a hand. Come on, praise him. Let's stand together, can we? How many of you are glad for the comforts of God? You know, I hate to say it, but I know the Lord has allowed me to go through some things personally so that I could be more of a comforter to you. Sometimes I say, Lord, are you sure I should be a pastor? Because really and truly, I get tired of going through trials that I know you're allowing me to go through so that I can bring a word of comfort to the people. And the Lord says, come on, I died for you. Shut up. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) But I want you to see the hand of God in what you're going through. I want you to see the hand of God in his comforts. He comforts you. Can we lift our hands and thank the Lord for the comforts of God? Oh, he's a comforting God. He's a merciful God. If you're thankful that he's merciful, say, Jesus, thank you for the plural mercies of God. And Lord, thank you that you're the God that gives all comfort in the middle of my worst trials and your comforts carry me to the other side. Amen. Thank you.